Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, February 19, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story on page 9, the sixth paragraph, which begins with, But he did no ranting. We will be reading and commenting on this one paragraph, which ends with, It worked. Today's readers are Pam R., Elaine H., Carmela G., Nancy T., and Sally P. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, February 18, 2019's meetings are 12.562 for 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 1.2562 and 12.563 for 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 1.2563. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask PMR to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, this is Pam R. from North Carolina, reading the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Pam R. I will now ask Elaine H. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Elaine. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is one ultimate authority. A loving God is who may express himself. <clears throat> In our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting <clears throat> other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, unless problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OA's anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Elaine H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in chapter one, Bill's story on page nine, the sixth paragraph, which begins with, but he did no ranting. We'll be reading and commenting on this one paragraph, which ends with, it worked. I will now ask Carmela G. to go ahead and read that for us. Thank you. Carmela G. from New York. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious 
idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. Well, this, this paragraph gives us very basic instructions. The program is based on simple ideas. They're not easy, but they are very simple. Our role is to realize in a spiritual way that of ourselves we have no power. We need to follow these instructions precisely. We need to be willing to set aside our idea that we know it all and that we have the answer. We have to be open and allow the power greater than us. Whatever we choose that power to be, to fill us, with power so that we can put the food down, have a clear mind, and work these steps every single day. And work them willingly and honestly with an open heart and have them within us. You see, I'm not doing this program to show you how wonderful I am. I'm doing it so that I can have peace and serenity and I can live it to show everyone who I may come in contact with what a beautiful experience this program has allowed me gain through a power greater than Carmela. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Carmela. If you'd like to share on this sixth paragraph on page nine in the big book and haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days, please press star one to mute, unmute and state your first name and last initial. Katie, Tina M. Boston. Lori I heard, Lori uh, Larry. I heard Tina. I know I didn't hear the people at the beginning. Nancy Lori P. W. Lori W. I'll take one more. Anita J. Anita J. Okay, let's start with the six of you. Katie, Larry, Tina, Nancy, Lori, and Anita. Katie G., please go ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. Just was really struck by the woman who um, I'd been in program for years, and um, I got into a mess of exercise bulimia and uh, trying to figure out my life, and eating was going to be a step up. And um, she didn't rant, which means anger, drama, talking in noisy, excited, declarative statements like, you got to do this. This is what you have to do. 
she was very precise, very practical, which means useful, not theoretical, practice, action. And she was simple. Like, it wasn't this extreme thing. She was like, this is what I've done. This is how I felt. And that's similar to you. Like, I was desperate, dying, and doomed because all I could do was exercise. And I wanted to die. And when, when I heard that, it was so, it just resonated in that part of me that knows, right, that knows that it knows that it knows, that God part that knew that she needed, I, I needed to work with her. And I went from, yeah, but, I went from the Katie I know girl to yes, ma'am, to like literally clinging to everything she said. And, um, and over time, I have changed into that sponsor. I mean, I... I know that I have ranted. I would be dishonest to all of you because you know me if I would tell you I, I'm not a ranter. But God has changed me. And today as a guide or when I'm sharing my program, the most beautiful thing is that I know, like, I don't know what's best for you. I don't know what you need. And that's okay. Like, what I can share is this is what I've done. This is where I was. And then I'm actively engaged. I'm a member in good standing of OA today. I have a sponsor. She has a sponsor. And this is what I do. You know, I don't need to shove it down your throat. Like, here are a few actions. If you want to take them and call me back, that's cool. If not, let's be friends. Because I grew up with enough ranting, enough raging. I, I grew up with being that ranting and rager. And, um, in step 11, it talks about watching out for excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Like, even if I'm ranting about something that is, you know, so fantastic because it's changed my life, so that's pretty good, it's still ranting, and it still shuts my ears off. It makes me unteachable and others unteachable. So today, I pray, God, keep changing me. Keep softening me. Please help me remember that this is a... A, a total, unadulterated, simple program, you know, and all I need to do is take action. So thank you, God, for another day. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Katie G. Larry K. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Set my timer. So, um, you know, that was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. It, so this this hopeless drunk was persuaded to put down the alcohol and work a practical program of spiritual action. And guess what? It worked. And not only did it work, you know, let me not miss the point that it worked in only two months. It didn't take six months or 12 months or 10 years, which really leads me to, to, to this question. You know, why is it that, that we choose to embrace complexity and uncertainty rather than the simplicity of trusting in a process. Why, why do we do that? Well, sometimes I feel that doing my best just isn't good enough, and yet I continue to strive for a perfection that doesn't exist. And I'm sure that, you know, the people around us or around me are just waiting for me to fail. And this is the lie that my ego tells me, and as a consequence of that, I sabotage my ability to surrender to this process. And how, how do I do that? Well, for me, I, I sabotage myself by taking too long 
I took way too long to complete the steps. And I did that by overanalyzing and attempting to debate every conceivable detail of the instructions. And since I'm not particularly good at dieting with group support, I can't hold my breath underwater for too long. You know, maintaining a white-knuckled abstinence for me, I would invariably pick up the ding-dongs, you know, and, and then, of course, uh, that would leave me feeling uh, overly remorseful with the firm resolution not to eat again. And that would be repeated over and over again. And my ego, you know, the very ego that the steps were designed to smash kept me stuck in fear, resisting the very change that would allow me to become a free man. Ebby learned that only a spiritual solution would solve his problem. You know, I love the story of the elephant and the rope. Have you heard that story? Because it illustrates this, what we're reading. When, when still a baby, the elephant is tethered by a very thick rope to a stake that's firmly hammered into the ground, and the elephant tries several times to get free, see, but it lacks the strength to do so. And after a year, the stake and the rope are still strong enough to keep the, the small elephant tethered, although it continues to try unsuccess, unsuccessfully to, to get free. And at that point, the animal re realizes that the rope will always be too strong, so it gives up. And when that elephant reaches adulthood, this huge elephant can still remember how for a long time it had wasted its energies trying to escape. And at this stage, the, the trainer can tether the elephant with basically a thread tied to a, to a broom handle, and the elephant will, will make no attempt to escape to freedom. See, like the elephant, wrapping up here, Rebecca, like the elephant, I was tethered to my erroneous beliefs, and I was convinced there was no way out, and thus I made no attempt to escape my bondage. And how grateful I am there was a solution to become untethered. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry K. Tina S. Thanks so much, Rebecca, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff already early this morning, and, uh, you know, grateful to be on the line. And I, too, interpreted this paragraph that it was about uh, sharing, my, sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that others, too, may have what I have. Um, you know, and I love that early, yesterday, I think it was, that we, we were told that, you know, Ebby, he brings the message here to Bill. And, and the only reason he did it, you know, because he was told to give testimony. If he did not, then he would not, you know, stay sober himself. You know, initially I did this stuff because I'm so selfish and self-centered. They told me I had to, so I did for my own good. You know, what happens over time, because it talks about here that they told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. If I put one foot in front of the other, do the deal, the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I too shall have this thing. And then I, you know, then I want to give it away. You know, and I love that it was talked about that it was only in two months that the result was self-evident. It works. It works when I work it. You know, bottom line, when I'm doing the deal, I get it. You know, when I want something different, I do something different. All that stuff that a sponsor told me that I didn't want to hear, to do it whether I wanted to or not, I was like, what? And that, that I didn't have to like it. I just had to do it. And today I say those same things because I do those same things, whether I want to or not, whether I like it or not. And, and then it becomes self-evident. It works. It works when I work it. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Nancy P. Hi, thanks for letting me share. 
So, yeah, what everybody's been saying is exactly what what the truth is for me. Um, I was at my worst place ever in this program, and I, too, had decades and decades of um, of experience with Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I was like a fish thrashing on a hook. I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I, you know, by the grace of God, I made a phone call to a friend who always has loved me, has never not accepted me wherever I am. And she also had had a similar um, um, experience with, as, as I had, a different manifestation, but, you know, up and down, up and down for for 40 years. And um, I called her just thinking that I just didn't know what to do. And, you know, in the past, I've called her or another person who's who I trust absolutely and they would listen to me cry and they'd say well you'll be okay you'll be okay and this woman said oh I haven't talked to you in so long which was true and you must be calling about vision and I said well and she kind of plowed over me and said let me tell you about it and I burst into tears and she said what is it what is it and I told her what was going on and she didn't say anything about me. She said, I haven't picked up in four and a half years. And I, um, she had my attention and she gave me the number for this line. And, um, and I called a few days later and, um, and I've been abstinent ever since and recovered after, you know, since a year ago now, but, you know, um, December 2017, I, I got a sponsor within a couple of weeks, and I was sponsoring myself by April of last of uh, 2018. So, um, you know, my own actual experience lived with this body sitting here on this couch um, can attest to no ranting, no, and also I would say no commiserating, you know just focusing on the steps and everything that happens to me in terms of the people that I, that have mentored me, that who I go to for, um, you know, sucker, they, they, um, they don't ever say, Oh my God, you poor thing, Nancy, all these problems that you have. They say, how many people are you working with? What step are you on? You know, they don't, they, they bring the focus to the steps because the steps are the only way that I am going to, you know, have my true north be my higher power. If I try to do that on my own, just sort of think about God and, and you know, right. try to meditate on my own, thank you, I'll wrap up, I get nothing. But if I, um, if I work these steps as exactly as they've been written, I have gotten better and I stay better. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy P. Lori W., Good morning, and thank you very much. This is Lori W., Atlanta, Georgia, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater for today. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, The two words that always jump out with this passage to me are practical and action. Um, It just, the program just makes sense to me. Um, It is something that is not um, difficult to grasp and understand, but it's so difficult for me to do. And so, um, but it's practical. 
you know, I've done so many things that were not practical. Um, I've gone on water fast. I've gone on um, liquid cleanses. I've, I have, you know, looked into having my jaw wired and, and, and surgical options to lose the weight. Those are not practical things because they're not going to fix the issue. But this program is so practical to talk about how powerless I am, um, to believe that God can help me, to make a decision for God to help me, um, you know, to, to deal with the mess that is the mess that I am um, in my life. And so it's so practical. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. What's not practical is eating an entire pack of cookies by myself in, you know, less than 24 hours. Sometimes I've done it in less than 12. I've done it in less than four. That's not practical, people. Um, The serving size is like two, three cookies or whatever. I eat the whole pack. That's not that's not a, a practical, normal thing that people do. And so I've done so many things that are not practical in order to seek recovery. Why not try something that's practical? Why not try turning to God? Why not t- try hashing out my issues and looking at the way I have been? That, that just makes sense. That just makes so much sense. And it takes action. And um I will grant you that it's very uncomfortable to look and confess some of the things that we've done and how we've been and um, some of the attitudes that I have, I have possessed through the years and that have possessed me. It's very uncomfortable, but it's practical to look at that and dig out the mess that I am. Um, that's the only way that I can recover. And so it just makes sense. And so I've done so many things that didn't make sense. I baffled myself. I mean, I, my family's looked at me, my friends, and said, girl, what in the world? And I have no explanation. My actions were not practical. But this makes sense. Take the action, do the work, get the recovery, live in the freedom, live in life, and it is a wonderful way of existing that I have found. And so I thank all of you who have helped me to be practical, who call me out when I'm not practical. My sponsor does that very well. And um, I just encourage everyone to continue with this journey because it makes sense. It just makes sense. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lori W. Anita J. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Anita J. Recovered out here in Massachusetts. Um, I know what this little paragraph means because um for so long, oh, wait, let me press this. Now I'm behind a little. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought you just went through the steps, and I had some really emotional changes, but nothing like rocketed. None of that. And this is just so marvelous. The door opens, and you stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing, and there was something about his eyes. That's it. That's that's what we hear it now. We're using it more here. I heard it years ago about pray, you know, and if necessary, use words. He is going to use words in the later paragraphs, but Bill already knew what this guy was like. They used to go on those drinking jags, you know, and he thought his partner was showing up and he didn't have to say a word. He knew it was evident. It was just evident. That's what I want to be. That's what I, 
I want to continue to be after so many years of my words and my actions not matching. This is the book that gets your words and your actions the same. They're congruent. They're together now. You are together, your mind, your spirit, your body. And um, it's, he's going to explain now how, how he did it. We should keep listening. We should just keep listening. You know, I passed the five-year mark. You know what a miracle that is after all these decades in this program? And yet I'm clearer every day that if I don't keep doing this, it doesn't keep. I want to now. There was so many years where I really could care. You know, I used to kind of weigh and measure not so much my food, which I did do, but it was how often I would do service for people. What a what an attitude. What an attitude. And the thing is, now I really have something to give. Why not give it away, Anita? Keep giving it away. You'll be long gone and there'll be people still giving it away. And I'm just very excited about this book and this recovery for all of us. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Anita J. If you got on late and you don't know, we read the sixth paragraph on page nine that begins with, but he did no ranting. Who else would like to share on this one paragraph? Charles A. P. P. Melissa P. Rebecca B. A. Melissa E. P. Guys, I don't write that fast. Rebecca P. 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 I gotcha. And Melissa and Rebecca and I had Charles. But who else didn't I get? (laughs) Marie A. Was it Marie A? No, Lori A. Oh, Lori A. Yes. How about Barbara? Barbara. Thank you. I don't know who said thank you. I hope it's someone whose name I got. (laughs) It was Barbara. Oh, very good. All right. So we have Charles H, Pete B, Melissa, Rebecca, Lori, and Barbara. And Charles H, please go right ahead. Thank you very much, Rebecca, for your service. Charles H, a recovered compulsive overeater. So many want to win, but uh, but don't want to surrender. I could so identify with that. Um, this whole book is a, is a set-aside principle, a set-aside prayer, a set-aside thought, a set-aside warning, right? Um, I, I love the reference on page 63 where it says, you know, the last, the 11th, third step promise in the first paragraph, we were reborn. Heavy was reborn at this point. You know, we talked about yesterday, there was something in his eyes. He was not that same person, you know. And, you know, for me, there's nothing wrong with religion. It's, it's, the, it's me. <laughs> it's the way I display this religious idea, you know, being overzealous and wanting to convert people. No, let the disease do the beating down. I can't beat you down with my mouth. I can't. And I refuse to do that because um. I wanted to win so many times without surrendering. I wanted to skip this step and get right into the action. And it don't work. Can you imagine trying to do an amend to somebody? You ain't even put the fool down. I've done that so many times. And it just don't work. You know, and, and he says it's a simple religious idea. 
That's all it is, an idea. The world went crazy. They're still going crazy right now. Millions of people are like, I am not going to do this religious idea. All it means is surrender. Look it up. Google it. You got a smartphone, right? A simple religious idea is just surrendering. We don't want to surrender, but we want to win. Ain't that? That's crazy. And with that, I pass. I'm going to leave some time on the clock for y'all. You sure did. Thanks, Charles. Pete B., you're next. Thank you, moderator. Uh, Pete B., compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. You're doing such a great job and really getting a lot out of what I'm hearing. <clears throat> had, some, had some additional time to reflect on what's been shared about this, par- about this chapter earlier. And, and what, what, I, what I heard another member sharing is that, so Ebby was instructed to give testimony. He thought that would be embarrassing, so he sought out Bill because he knew Bill, right? He sought out, I guess what it sounds like is an easier, softer way, right? He went and found Bill, which is nice, right? The interesting thing is is there was no call to Bill beforehand to make sure that he put the food down for 48 hours or put the alcohol down for 48 hours, right? He's talking to Bill while Bill's drinking, he built, Bill is presently drinking and getting the message from Ebby. So the couple of things that, you know, that just, that, that just stand out to me is that, one, Ebby was approached and became, uh, uh, you got into the state where you can come and carry this message in two months, right? So that, that tells me that you can get through the program and you can get through this, the 12 step, the 12 steps and incorporate them into your life in two months. Well, that's good news, right? So there goes the idea that I have to take years to do this or do a step a month. I could do that in two months. The other thing it tells me is that, and we, and we heard this yesterday and beforehand is that Ebby did not remain sober in spite of the fact that he brought this message to Bill which tells me that I, can't, this, I cannot stay sober and abstinent on yesterday's good deeds, that regardless of who I brought it to, this, you know, this, this pretty much is, the, is the, the start of this fellowship that we all come to rely on. I need, I need to do this every single day, regardless of how successful or unsuccessful I was yesterday, even and multiple times a day. Right. There's no, there's no, there, there's no, I can't, I can't stay abstinent on yesterday's good deeds. This seems to be incorporated into my, into my way of life. Or as what's happened with Ebby, I am likely to fail and revisit the food and they start to incorporate those things. So those are just, you know, just a couple of points, right? Like Bill is, Bill's drinking, hearing the message, gets the message and starts moving on the program of recovery. Ebby carried the message. Maybe he didn't continue carrying the message, but he eventually went and picked up, and I can get through this thing way quicker than I originally anticipated. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete B. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, um, yeah, I mean, I zeroed right in on the ranting. Um, you know, that ranting, it's like that long, it's an angry, it's impassioned. It's, to me, it's like frothy emotional appeal. It's talking, talking, talking. And um, that's like my, um, 
that's like instinctive for me. That's right, right where I love to go. Someone who just loves to speak. Um, that's what I wind up doing, um, you know, intuitively. I, I rant and, um, and here is like really clear directions. But he did not rant. And, you know, it's funny enough that even though that's what I do, like, you know, like as a reflex, um, that is the last thing that ever works on me. There is nothing that turns me off quicker than something or somebody that's ranting at me. And, um, yeah, it's the evidence that speaks the loudest. And, you know, it's um, recover, recover, recover. That's really it. And that the people um, in my life who I believe could use a program, um, they don't want to hear me going off on what they need to do. Like, that's the worst thing. If 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 um, Evie said to Bill, you know, um, put that drink down right now and um, and alcohol is poison and, you know, and telling him how it causes all the ills of the world. Um, Bill might like, you know, pushed him out the door. And, um, and yet um, I've done that. Like I've spoken about sugar, like it's, you know, like it's the evil of the universe. And when you do that, um, my experience is that people don't really care to listen to you anymore. You know, the best thing um, is to show up, you know, the self-evidence, looking, looking recovered, looking inexplicably different. And that has been, for me, um, how I've been able to open the door of dialogue with some people in my life um, who you know, may or may not have this problem. Um, I can't even, I can't diagnose them either. And I don't hear that Eddie is diagnosing Bill Eiler. I, I hear that he's telling what worked for him. He gave um, testimony for what was happening in his life. And that was the persuasion. You know, when you see somebody who is as sick as you are, um, no longer looking sick, um, that speaks louder than any words. That's what I hope to do today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Rebecca B. Hi, everybody. My name's Lori, and I am. A- oh, Lori, Lori. Oh. I called on Rebecca B. And then oh, you're I'm after sorry. Rebecca. I'm sorry, honey. Okay, go ahead, Rebecca. Well, let's just see. Is Rebecca B. there? Re- I-, I am here. Do you hear me, Rebecca? Yes. Good morning, Rebecca B. We'll talk to you in a minute, Lori. Okay. Go right ahead, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, just turn on my timer. Hi, I'm Rebecca B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from north of Boston. And what a great meeting this morning. Um, wow. I just I just love you all. I'm so grateful for our program. And the word uh, rant is also the one that's really sticking with me this morning. You know, when I think about ranting, um, I think about my disease. I think about my disease because when I'm in my disease, I'm ranting. When I'm binging, it's a rant, right? It's it's ferocious. It's angry. It's self-righteous. It's 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 cruel. Um, it speaks louder than anything else. It wants me to believe it and to trust it and to hear that it's the only way. And what I've learned 
is that, and what's coming to me even more clear this morning, thank you, God, is that the truth and God and my higher power that I know as God is not ranting. It's generally pretty soft-spoken, and it's patient, and it's there, and it's a choice, and it's always waiting. But rarely for me did recovery rant. In fact, I'm not sure despair perhaps ranted there were times that I was just absolutely despairing but the answer and the solution and the recovery was actually always just ever present ever waiting but calm and um, you know it, it wasn't drama it wasn't dramatic it was simply there waiting for me to say yes and um, so it's just a beautiful thing, and, I, and it's something I can use to this day, every, every moment of my life, because if I look at what part of my life is ranting, screaming, resisting, angry, self-righteous, wanting it my way, has to be done, that's probably not the answer, um, and that the truth is, is quite gracious and beautiful and simple. Not always easy, but it's right there waiting, and thank God we have each other um, to teach us that and to walk hand in hand. So thanks so much, and I pass. Thanks, Rebecca B. Lori A., your turn. Hi, I'm Lori, and I'm a compulsive eater. Is it my turn? Yes, good morning, Lori. Okay, hi. (laughs) I'm from uh, London, Ontario, Canada, so I just want to say hi to all you American folk. It's, it's it's great. There are no borders between us. Um, one thing that's really standing out for me, too, is the word rant. I have a big book dictionary, and I looked up the word rant. And in there it says, preach, speak in noisy, excited, and self-important manner. And I know if somebody would have approached me that way. In fact, somebody did approach me that way in a very pushy, excited, um, this is what you got to do, um, not sharing her own experience, but this is what you have to do way, um, way back in, in summer of 95. And I just wasn't ready to hear it, and I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel good. And then in contrast, somebody else at the same time um, was like Ebby. She shared her experience, strength, and hope. She gave me her um, OA 12 and 12, and she gave me her phone number, and she just basically shared with me um, what is it about OA that had worked for her. And um, every once in a while, I would see her from here and there and here and there and here and there. And and it turns out she's now living in Sault Ste. Marie, and I see her every now and then at OA events. And um, she knows somebody that lived in London for a long time, and and um, I still talk to her, you know, now and then. And that is the difference between somebody doing a rant and somebody sharing their experience, strength, and hope. Um, She really touched me, and I never forgot her. And I still have that book, that original 12 and 12, which didn't have the traditions in it. Um, But I really like how um, Ebby shared his experience, strength, and hope with 
Bill, and he says, you know, I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. And, of course, Abby knew that. Abby knew that in, in spades, you know, and I love how it says, he had come to pass his experience along to me if I cared to have it. You know, if, if you know, if somebody doesn't want, you know, if I don't want what's really out there, nobody's going to really want to spend their time with me. I mean, I had a sponsor for three and a half years. And you are something that just can yeah, only spew trash. And trash Okay. Someone's unmuted. Okay. Go ahead, Laurie. But your time is almost up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that um, I had a sponsor for three and a half years who had to um, let me go because I wasn't willing to do the work. Um, So I'm really glad that I'm in a position now that I'm willing to do the work. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Rebecca, wow. we don't hear you. Really, really. It's hilarious. It's, I'm so I'm sorry. sorry. I was muted. I beg your pardon. I was saying I, thank you, Lori A., and I'm sorry for the interruption. And now it's Barbara E.'s turn. Thank you for letting me know you couldn't hear me. <laughs> thank you. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Barbara. Oh, oh, just to make sure. Well, I just wanted to say this has been a wonderful meeting. And... For me, I just wanted to explain the addict wears a mask, and this mask is me. It looks like me, it talks like me, and it sounds like me, and I cannot tell us apart. I can't fight the addict. The only thing that can fight the addict is God. And when I first came in 22 years ago, the idea of someone ranting, I, about God, I would have been aghast. I didn't believe in a God. I had no knowledge of a God. I wasn't an atheist. I just didn't know. And someone pointed out to me, oh, Barbara, you have a God. And I said, I do. And she said, threw her glasses on the table and said, yes, your God is food, Barbara. And it is. But I didn't want to be ran to that. And the line, besides my gin would last longer than his preaching. I understand that. I can listen to you and turn tune you out. And all I can think about is get out of my face. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. So for many, many years, I lost the weight. And I kept it off through the power of OA and coming back and listening and learning and being teachable, but I hadn't done the steps. So all those things on our moral inventory did not come true for me. I was feeling anger, and I didn't understand that the opposite could be self-control. And I was constantly self-justifying my actions with my family because I didn't yet have any kind of integrity, and I was feeling self-important because I was losing weight, but that wasn't it. I needed to practice modesty. I was 
lazy instead of doing my part. And I certainly didn't do for others. I wanted it for me. I wanted to keep what I had, weigh and measure on the scale in the kitchen, weigh and measure my success by the scale in the bathroom. And I had to learn the scale in the bathroom is not important. It's what's going on in my head. Am I willing to be kind? Am I willing to be loving? Am I willing to be an instrument of peace and love? And that's what I've learned through this beautiful program. And you beautiful people are angels in human skin that keep me focused every day. And I learn something because I'm teachable. The power of the pause, the power of meditation. I pick these all up from you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. We have time for two more people who haven't shared in the past couple of days and want to share on the sixth paragraph on page nine. Who would those be? Lisa L. Leah M. Lisa L. Barb C. And sorry, Leah, I heard Barb C. If there's time, I'll call on you, Leah. Go ahead, Lisa L. Good morning, everyone. Um, Lisa L. from Brooklyn. And I, I just wanted to say um, that I, I live in New York, and I was brought up that if somebody tries to sell you something or comes at you with some kind of product, you just put your head down and walk away, and you say no a lot. And so that's the mentality that I had. Um, and if I would have been approached by someone trying to sell me away, I would have just put my head down and walked away. But uh, the way I came into OA was that I had a friend who had a weight problem too, and she was trying everything. And she said, to, this is the first time I heard the words Overeaters is Anonymous. I didn't know about it. And she said to me, I tried them. That um, organization is for desperate people. And so I made a mental note to myself that maybe if I became really desperate, I would go to OA. And a couple of years later, I found myself at the door of OA. And that's all I wanted to say. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa L. Barb C. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for letting me share. Um, uh, I just uh, want to indicate that I am the embodiment of the person you might want to rant at. I'm uh, uh, at yet another day one after um, nearly two years of, of, of binging. I had been abstinent and uh, at, you know, in a right-sized body and, you know, working the steps but not really working the steps, you know, just sort of scooting around and finding a lot of it a little, just a little bit too easy. And, um, um, you know, tremendous stresses with uh, aging parents and uh, some historical issues and uh, boom, I had nothing in place. I had nothing solid in place to keep me um, on an even keel and with an open conduit to a higher power. And uh, so I'm having to rebuild that now through the scourge of the food, you know, the, the, the great conflict between what the food does for me and what it does to me. And what it's done to me is ha had me gain, um, uh, looks like, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say 60 pounds in, in under two years. And, uh, 
at 57, uh, the costs are very high. So I'm humbled, I'm broken, I'm sad. Um, and, uh, and I know that I need to be here and listen to the love in your, in your voices, listen to this book that speaks marvelous truths. And, uh, that's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm the subject. <laughs> I'm Bill today. So, um, I'm just really happy to be here and, uh, and open and humbled and, and surrendering. So peace, everybody. Thanks a million. Thank you, Barb C. Leah M., you do have three minutes to share. Thank you very much for your service. A simple religious idea. You know... <laughs> I think about when I hear a simple religious idea, I think about step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, and, and the necessity to be crushed by this illness. I had to be crushed by this illness to realize that no amount of willpower, no amount of intellect, no amount of self-knowledge, no amount of determination, aspiration, wishes, uh, urgency, <laughs> you know, no amount of, of, of anything that I could muster up of myself was going to overcome the obsession of the mind, that this was a self-imposed crisis, that I was the architect of this pain and misery, um, in conflict with everyone and everything about me. And, you know, when coming from that vantage point, coming from that vantage point, I think about the three pertinent ideas that we were alcoholic, that I was a compulsive overeater and could not manage my own life, that probably no human power could have relieved my compulsive overeating, and that God could and would if he were sought. And from the point of the darkness that I felt <laughs> and the pain and suffering that I was experiencing, um, it was no virtue <laughs> that I was able to set aside my old ideas, attitudes, and emotions and say, I give up. I'm done. I can't take this pain anymore. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we often hear that uh, the program of recovery doesn't prove the existence of God. It just proves our need for it. And that's why it really didn't matter who was going to deliver this message of recovery to me. Um, when you're at death's door, um, when you're drowning in the illness uh, and someone throws you a life preserver, you know, I wasn't going to re request a specific color or texture to it. I was drowning in a disease, dying by my own hand self-destructing by my own hand under the guise of seeking ease and comfort. And it was this simple religious idea, simple religious idea that God could and would if he were sought. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. 
The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, February 19th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 12566. That's 12566. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Nancy T., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca. Nancy T., recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.